Good morning and welcome to Coffee with Alan. It's going to be a little different today. I'm going to honor a friend who just recently passed away, who is a huge figure in the martial art world, Soke Michael de Pasquale. And I'm also going to answer Kellen's question about Reflex Protect. You know, I have the picture from the Korean Martial Art Festival one of the years that Mike taught there. And I'm sorry, I'm not using correct titles, but you know, when we were out to dinner, when we're talking, it was always just Mike. And that's how I like to remember him because we had such great conversations and it was fun to be on the mat with him. And I'm going to show a video clip later of us on the mat, but it was more enjoyable out at dinner or lunch or, you know, just chatting and hearing some of the stories that he would tell from the younger years that were just really cool. And I'll share some of that here soon. But I did also promise Kellen that I would answer the Reflex Protect question when I had a little bit more time. Yesterday and Monday, I was teaching Reflex Protect user training to a group. And so now I'm done with that training, not doing any training today. I'm going to talk a little bit about it. So Reflex Protect has a defensive spray. It comes in three sizes. You got the little personal 1.9. You got a little bit bigger, the 3.3. Then if you really want the big one, you can have the Mark 9, which is 14 ounces. So the Mark 4 has 3.3 ounces. The Mark III has 1.9 ounces. These are probably the two more popular sizes. However, with law enforcement, we have even bigger um, sizes for the riot control, which really reach out there in over 40 feet. But these are the three sizes we sell to civilians. This is probably the most common for people to do for personal self-defense. Good morning, Jay. Thank you for being here. Appreciate that. The advantages of this spray over pepper spray you can spray it indoors. It was created for indoor use. You can use it outside too, but indoors it will not cross-contaminate. It will not affect everybody else in the room. Won't go in the HVAC system. So, And they say that with some of the pepper gels and foams, but this is better than those. I've seen them both side by side, and I've smelled the pepper way more. You don't smell this. And the foam, law enforcement don't like it at all because the foam, it just, you know, you wipe it off and just throw it right back at the person who sprayed you. So there's disadvantage for all of them. Now, the disadvantage for this, you have to be accurate with it. Pepper spray, go like that, and you get a big giant cloud, you're going to get the bad guy. This comes out in a straight stream, and that's what keeps it from cross-contaminating everybody. You do have to be a little bit accurate. And so you have to go there, and you got to get them in the eyes for it to work. Wearing glasses, you get them right above the eyes and it's going to pour in and go behind the glasses. So you just cover their face with it. So that's why you have to be a little accurate. And it's one of the reasons we sell the training models. So you can go out and practice a little bit so you can make sure you know how to use it. The live trainings I do for organizations, we always you know, go out and practice some to make sure that they hit their target with these training models. When I do security folks and so forth, we do tactical, you know, we'll, we'll draw from wherever they're carrying it, move offline, spray, those kind of things. So the more you practice, obviously, the better you're going to be with the live product if you have to. And this does not negate your awareness and all the other things that we practice with safe habits. I mean, I had a girl tell me but way back in the 90s, before this was around, I was teaching a class on safety at the university, and I had a girl tell me she didn't need to worry about the situational awareness stuff I was teaching because she had this, and she reached down in her bag and pulled out an old mace. 
No, that's not the attitude we want. We are still aware. We still practice safe habits. We just have this as an extra non-lethal tool to deal with things where our other strategies fail. It's only to be used to keep you or someone else from being physically harmed, and it does a really good job of it. It hits harder than pepper spray, and law enforcement like it because we sell them the decontaminant. It's not available on the open market. It's only available for law enforcement institutions that will reverse the effects really quick as well. For personal defense, you don't care. You want to spray the guy, let him suffer while you go get to safety. Call the police. They'll find the guy because this has UV dye in it as well. Going to say good morning to Kellen. Hello, Kellen. Answering your questions. Hope that got through to some of the stuff that you were wanting to know. Dixon says, rest in peace, Michael DePasquale. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about Mike here in just a minute. So that's Reflex Protect. Go to Reflex Protect or Reflex Protect Tactical YouTube channels, and you can see a lot of actual sprays, the decon, and hear people talk about it. A lot of law enforcement, they're not going to use it unless they're sprayed first. So we have a lot of law enforcement officers on YouTube being sprayed and then talking about it. And don't take our word for it. If you're a law enforcement officer, have your agency go to Reflex Protect Tactical. They'll send you a free T&E kit for law enforcement. Um, just check it out and see if your agency wants to switch over. Civilians, you can go to reflexprotect.com. You can order there. You can go to Amazon and you can buy a two-pack of these at Amazon and get one for yourself, one for a loved one, or one for two different places that you might want to have it. So that's a little bit about Reflex Protect. Hope that answered the questions, Kellen. Appreciate you asking them. But now I would like to talk a little bit about a friend who just passed away. And he was only 70, I believe. So not that old, right? I mean, we had people at the Korean Martial Art Festival in their 80s teaching. This picture of the two of us was at one of the Korean Martial Art Festivals. He used to teach at that festival. He's not a Korean martial artist, but the Korean Martial Art Festival is not only for Korean martial art practitioners. We have people from all different kinds of styles and so forth. And he was there and he would teach his blend of karate and jujitsu and always had entertaining sessions. I'm going to show one here in a second. But more entertaining than his sessions on the mat were the sessions at dinner or after dinner, out having a drink and just telling stories. The man was a wealth of knowledge regarding martial arts and just had some magnificent stories about him and Joe Lewis and Bill Wallace and some of all of those pioneers of the martial arts, which his father was a pioneer. Mike was a junior and his dad was a phenomenal martial artist as well. I never got a chance to meet him, but heard stories about him. Mike used to publish several different magazines in the martial arts. So he knew just anybody and everybody in the industry. He was on shows like with Regis, you know, you can find YouTube clips, you know, if you Google it, you'll see him doing demonstrations with Regis and Regis being typical Regis, you know, acting all sort of funny as a martial artist, though he wasn't one, but Mike there with his students really doing some, you know, cool demonstrations. So lots of things you can find with him on television shows and this and that. You can find his old magazines out there still, a little bit harder to find now, but they're out there just a phenomenal martial artist. And to give you just a little taste of what he was like on the mat, here's a session that I really enjoyed where I was assisting him. 
Like this. I'm hoping that plays that, that you can hear so it. Okay. All of this is based upon how fast can you grab a wrist? How fast can you move? If he's going, listen, if he's coming with a straight punch and I did this, think about your elbow. Feel it? One, two, three. I can't do that by going like this. <coughs> I want to be able to relax. Listen to me and listen to me clearly so you understand something. A catcher behind the mound. Okay? Not behind the mound, behind the plate. Doesn't reach out for the ball. Why? Ball's coming. Bat's coming the ball to get it. He keeps his mitt next to his body. Think about that for a second. If he's throwing a roundhouse punch at me, it's... I'm all over him. That's one, two, three. Okay? I don't... I keep my hand here, go slow, to here. I don't keep, I don't reach out because I see something coming because now the other hand comes to the rib cage and he just keeps on moving. If he's doing a right house punch, you're right, feel that? <laughs> and I strike him without him knowing what I'm going to do next, he's in trouble. Does that make sense? As hard as someone throws a punch at me, throw a punch at me here, and I did this. Now, I don't, I don't worry about this because I know dead arm blocks work very well for me and they work well for these students that I've taught. Why? Because they work it. You gotta work it. In a reality-based situation, he throws around, punch, but I did this, boom, boom. Think about his arm. Reality-based situation here, ooh, get down here, down low. He knew that was coming out. He saw it. Oh, I don't wanna hate. Okay, so when he throws a punch, don't reach out. Let it, let it come here. You take the risk of knowing that Throw it hard, hard as you can. Harder than that. Okay? So I want to just, this is the key here. He's going to feel that. Feel it? I feel it. Dead arm. Dead arm. It's this. It's that thing you did today. I love that. But it's a heavy hand, they call it. Heavy hands kill people if you know what you're doing. It takes time to blow. I'm going to show you the drill. I'll let you go home with at least the four dead arm techniques that I show everybody. And if you work it, you will be doing the same thing without a problem. Without doing this. I mean, I don't want to look like I'm in a demo on the street. I don't want to look like I'm in a demo on the street because I don't want to be in a demo on the street. Make sense? You don't have time. To show off, and who's looking at anyhow? You think people say, "Oh, that's great!" Hey, you do that again? No. <laughs> Not in the street mode. The truth of the matter is, you got one chance and one chance only. So, what do we learn this for? What do we take and 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 work out in the dojo for? We work out for sweat. We get a good cardio. We get knowledge. We get discipline. We get self-esteem, self-control, so on. But ultimately, what is we? What are we learning? Self-defense. So we want to be able to say, how do we activate that? And how do we make sure that we keep it at bay and know that when we walk, we have the confidence because we earn that confidence. Why do we earn that confidence? Can anybody tell me that? Huh? You got it. Because we worked and we practiced enough to, to earn that. It's not a matter of how this and how many stripes you have, what color belts or what you look like. This is Joe Cryer, incidentally, over here. He's another black belt that has a lot of different black belts. Fantastic martial arts. Uh, works very hard. The bottom line is 
confidence is confidence. So when he comes in with a straight punch here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's all I want. And I'll give you another one since we're here anyhow. Okay. <laughs> Come in here, grab this wrist. The key is, remember one thing, I'm going to tell you something now. When a person's aiming for your face with a straight punch, a roundhouse punch, doesn't matter what it is, if it's coming in for a tackle, he's aiming for something. So if he's aiming for my face, he's aiming right here for my face. That means if I turn the corner, that's about where my face was. So he wants to pay, he wants to try to get past my face and hit me, right or wrong. Or he wants to bust me up. So when he comes in here, I want to turn. Here's his wrist. I want to know that his wrist, if I do this here, his wrist is here. I have to follow this. But then I come into the, these kind of techniques here, lock up here. Then I come up to these, all right? Yep, these techniques here. Then I come in here, wherever I want to go. So what I'm looking for with this is just grab the wrist first. What's the first action he's going to do when you grab this? Pull back. And then you go into this one. Can you get out of here? Very tough to get out of these if you do them right. So you follow the Miami man's motion. You have two here. One is here. Let me use a... Jeremy again. You want to get over here. Hope you can see that we had a lot of fun on the mat and training. We had even more fun out off the mat in private dinners, lunch, having a drink after dinner. Just an amazing martial artist, a great man. And we truly lost one of the great ones, you know, this last week with his passing way too soon. Again, I think he was only 70 years old, which is just way too soon to, to lose people. My thoughts go out to all of his family, all of his direct students that were training with him all the time, and the extended family, which includes all of us that had a chance to learn from him throughout the many years that he was teaching and sharing martial arts. With that, I would like to close. Hope everybody has a fantastic, wonderful Wednesday. Take care. Stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow.